Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. And now, the list of things that you can buy at the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com. Things to wear like Chicago Reader hats, t-shirts, bandanas, and face masks. Things for your daily life like the Chicago Reader camping mug, Chicago Reader tote bags, and a Chicago Reader reporter's notebook. Things for you to read like our Reader recipes, the Chicago Reader 420 Companion, our Chicago Reader Best of book series from journalists Maya Dukmasova, Mike Sula, Ben Jarofsky, and Lior Galil, the Chicago Reader coloring book, and the Chicago Reader stay home puzzle. Find the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com and show your support for the nation's first free weekly news newspaper since 1971. Bonus time on the Ben Jarofsky show. As I speak, it's Friday, March 17th, 2023. Happy St. Patrick's Day, one and all. Uh, <laughs> and um, so, wow, what else? Mayor's race, mayor's race, mayor's race. I feel like I've been talking mayor's race, mayor's race, mayor's race straight for the last month and still got another two weeks and counting to go in this thing. It's like an endurance test. Uh, so for what's in the news, I think I'll uh, cite Twitter. This is something I don't usually do. And I erroneously credit this uh, to Gregory Pratt. Uh, he was actually retweeting it. Um, so shout out to uh, uh, Alice Yin, who is an excellent reporter for the Tribune. Uh, and uh, Gregory Pratt was retweeting uh, her tweet. So Ben discovers Twitter. It's always uh, an interesting. Anyway, so today, uh, big news in the endorsement game was that uh, Jesus Chewy Garcia, Congressman Chewy Garcia, endorsed Brandon Johnson for mayor of the city of Chicago. It could be a significant endorsement because the Hispanic vote is coveted by both candidates. Each candidate sort of has its base and the Hispanic vote as a large entity, I forget what portion of the city it is, uh, is, uh, I don't know, kind of in the undecided category to a certain degree. Uh, and uh, Jesus Chuy Garcia, Congressman Garcia, endorsed uh, Brandon Johnson, which prompted the following response um, <laughs> I'm just laughing at this response from Paul Vallis, uh, uh, according to Alice Yin. Uh, Vallis shrugged off today's Chewy Garcia endorsement of Brandon Johnson saying, quote, I am not concerned about who's endorsing. I'm going to appeal to the rank and file voters. What a joke, Paul Vallis. I mean, what are you, Rodney Dangerfield now? You're going to do stand up at Zanies? Your endorsements don't matter? Every day you try out a different endorsement. <laughs> Every day, who's the latest to endorse Paul Vallis? Then you put up, saturate the TV with your commercials. Jesse White, Walter Burnett. <laughs> now all of a sudden, oh, Brandon Johnson gets an endorsement and you're like, oh, they don't matter. <laughs> 
What a joke, Paul Vallis. So without further ado, I'm going to ask my distinguished guest to introduce herself. Distinguished guest, introduce yourself. I'm Ramana Hussein. I'm an editorial board member and columnist of the Chicago Sun-Times. And she, of course, is a regular on the Ben Jarofsky Show, and I'm, I can't uh, thank you enough, uh, Ramana. All right. I've been asking all my guests this week, uh, Ramana, to weigh in on this and define woke in uh, their terms, because this is, this is one of those instances where we just routinely use a word, uh, and it's just like emerged into the language. And I don't know if anybody really agrees even on what it means. Uh, and so it's like this absurd moment where we just use this thing and it has this like general sense. So I'm just asking each and one of my guests, all intelligent people from the center to the left, that's generally who my guests are. What does woke mean to you? So why don't you take a stab at it? To me, it just, I guess it's the opposite of being um, asleep or being unaware. And so for when I hear the word woke, um, I, I do think people throw it around a lot. Like, you know, people want to say I'm woke to show how open-minded they are. But it, it, it to me, it just means someone who's um, paying attention to the sensitivities of others. And so that's why the right, they feel like when people are, you know, calling people out for, you know, specific reasons, saying that, you know, they're offended by certain things, it's because they're being sensitive to what may be considered offensive. So I, I just think it's being aware of other people and other um, people's feelings. And, and, and often, more than not, it tends to be being aware of groups of people or people who are who have been marginalized in the past. That's what I think, just being aware. So, and I, I think it was um, a song from Erica Badu. I actually read an article a few days ago that um, she's the one that came up with the word woke. And so since then, it's been kind of, uh, I guess I should say, culturally appropriated. A lot of people don't really know that that word came from her song, but she, she, had, she had mentioned it in a song like years ago. So it's a word that was taken from um, this artist and has taken on a new meaning for the right wing and for for a lot of people on the left, too. But it's interesting. It's just interesting how it's become a bad word, just like um, being a liberal was a bad word for a long time or, you know, I guess socialist, um, you know, uh, someone on the left. You know, it's it's just funny what words get taken over and become bad words for a lot of people. So, well, well, it's yeah. Okay, Ian, you're absolutely right. Shout out Rachel, our guest earlier this week, who pointed it out. Uh, I think it's called a song is called "Master Teacher," uh, where uh, Erica Badu uses the word she's awoke. Uh, but the way you define it, it's it's a virtue. I mean, having compassion, having awareness, uh, being sensitive to other people, uh, recognizing that you're not always right, that sometimes you're wrong. Uh, and you have to acknowledge when you're wrong. It's, it, it sounds to me like a virtuous thing, and somehow or other, uh, it's been turned into a word of condemnation. Like, you should be ashamed to be woke. I, I mean, I've never called myself woke. It's like a word I wouldn't use. I'm a baby boomer. I mean, I'm not using the word woke, okay? Erica Badu can use it. 
although she's kind of closer to you in age, but I, I, it's not a word I would use. Do you follow what I'm saying? But to me, it sounds like a virtuous thing. Why would anybody be embarrassed? It's yeah, I don't use it to describe myself either, but I do. I have described it for other people. Like if they say something that makes sense, I go, oh. or like I, I'm surprised. I'm like, oh, I didn't know so and so was that woke. Um, one of the <laughs> just brings to mind um, Axel Rose, who's the lead singer of Guns N' Roses. Um, he ended up becoming more woke than like singers like Morrissey, who's unwoke <laughs> by some of his comments. So I remember like it was really funny, like. I think in 2020 or 2021, somebody said something like, you never would have known on my bingo card that Axl Rose was going to be the one that was woke in 2021 or 2020, whatever it was. So it's just funny. So people use it, you know, when they're shocked that someone's, you know, has like these viewpoints that they didn't think they would have it. So I kind of, I, I, as a Gen Xer, I use it to describe some other people. I'm like, oh, wow, they're, they're pretty woke for their age. So, or, or they're, they're woke or they, you know, I don't use it that much. I have to say I don't throw it around that much. I feel like the right at this point in history, I think the right uses the word woke more than any other person on the left. It's just like a word that they've taken and they're they're throwing it around and they love it. They love it. They love it as just just as much as they love cancel culture. They love saying cancel culture and they love saying woke right now in this day and age. They also like saying critical race theory. I mean, they're just obsessed with those three phrases right now so they tend to use the word those words more than people on the left do yeah i uh uh i think to your first point you're absolutely correct the right is uh, quite good uh, at uh, maligning the left and doing it with discipline and routine on a regularity and speaking uh from the same page so it with, with liberal for instance uh, the condemnation of the word liberal began in full force with Ronald Reagan, I want to say, uh, as to the point where even liberals don't want to call themselves liberals. And so they call themselves progressives, which is kind of funny because <laughs> you're still a liberal. And what <laughs> uh, I don't think the right will be as effective with socialists. And I'll tell you why I. They may turn socialism into a bad word. I mean, it's already a bad word in this country, you know, this capitalist state uh, to be a, a socialist. But they, I don't think they'll shame socialists into running away from the socialist label the way they've shamed liberals from run, running away from the liberal label because socialists are proud of being socialists. Again, the the only white alderman in the city of Chicago to endorse Brandon Johnson is a socialist. Okay. Just point that out, ladies and gentlemen, all you lakefront liberals are hiding under your table, afraid to endorse a black man. Um, that's me speaking that Romana. Uh, so, um, <laughs> uh, I think you're absolutely correct. The right is really good and effective at, uh, embarrassing, uh, liberals or, people to the left and then the liberals adjust uh their rhetoric their world their their view of themselves and um it's like a moral victory in a weird way for the right you know what i'm saying and then they just bait the liberals some more and then we watch i cr i cringe when i see it romana you know what i'm saying i cringe when i see liberals run away from the things they supposedly believe in because they don't want to be identified as liberal i don't know what's do you have a similar reaction? Yeah, I, I, I do. I, 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 
because people on the right don't get upset when you call them conservative. They're pretty happy about that. So I've never understood why people who hold different opposing views, they let the right define what words are acceptable and what words are offensive. You you should come, you should be proud of who you are if you're a progressive or a liberal or a lefty. So yeah, I I I, I see where I, I see where you're coming from, and I don't I don't get it why anybody would let the right define what word is bad in America and what word is good in, in the United States. And I, I think for the longest time we've been letting the right define what words are good and what words are bad. I mean, they take words like critical race theory. Now it's like everybody's afraid to even say critical race theory because the right has decided that it's a bad, those are bad words. Uh, yeah. One more time. I urge all my listeners, if you haven't already check out Paul Vallis's comments on critical race theory, and then we have a contest, please explain to me what they mean. Uh, and uh, uh, the winner of the contest will get something. I don't know what. All right. A um, <laughs> couple of cultural uh, matters uh, that I want to discuss with you. You, of course, uh, are our correspondent covering Gwyneth Paltrow. Um, I must confess. <laughs> I must confess until like it was three years ago, you opened my mind. I didn't know any of this stuff about her. Uh, and. Um, uh, I don't know if the word wacky is the one I should use, but uh, oh, well, why not? Uh, some of her <laughs> wackier consumer uh, schemes. And there was a very funny bit, which I sent you. I know you haven't had a chance to watch it uh, on the uh, da- the Daily Show. Very funny bit uh, where they make fun of her, la- <laughs> her latest venture. Uh so why don't you update us uh, on Gwyneth Paltrow's latest uh, consumer venture, which I'm sure will reap her a lot more money than you or I will ever make, Ramana, writing our writing our columns. Go ahead. Yeah, for sure. I mean, so she recently was on a podcast or some sort of interview. And so based on what she said on the podcast, uh, there were two stories that came out. One was uh, where she talks, you know, people basically said she was promoting um, eating disorder diets by, you know, she was talking about, how, you know, how she goes about her day and what she eats. And she talked about how she drinks bone broth for her lunch. Basically, she wasn't eating anything all day. And she's talking, you know, and then, you know, trust me, people are going to listen to her and <laughs> eat the way she eats, which which is not much. And so people were kind of criticizing her, but that's really nothing new. She's always been kind of this person who talks about what she doesn't eat, which is basically everything. So she's usually just sucking on air. And uh, whenever she does, everybody piles on because it's, it's, it's hilarious, the stuff she said. I mean, I have to tell you, I'm surprised Cal Penn didn't mention how a couple of years ago she talked about how um, because of her, people are doing yoga now. And of course, all the Indians were all upset because we're like, okay, white woman, you did not invent yoga. And so um, she always, she kind of like puts her foot in her mouth. But at the same time, there are enough people that listen to what she says and her advice. And so I think during the same interview, um, so there's two stories that came out. One was about her diet and how restrictive it was. And the other one was about how she gets um, rectal ozone therapy which I don't know what that is, but someone said it's kind of like getting a colonoscopy. It's a fancy way of her saying a colonoscopy. But she 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 always talks about weird things that she does to her body, and everybody always 
you know, like, again, it's like, it's, it just makes for a new story and everybody starts talking about it. But like I said, you know, even when she makes these, you know, proclamations, there will be people who follow her, you know, she'll put out, she'll put out, um, she'll put out a vagina candle for like $100 or $300 and it'll get sold out. So clearly, she knows what she's doing to a certain extent and it makes money. So it's just like every time something happens, like I have to tell you, she starts trending on the internet. So when she did her last interview, and since we talked about her, I thought I had to share with you this morning. I was like, oh, did you see this and that? And, <laughs> and so Gwyneth Paltrow has become like, she's le- she's become less known for her films these days than for her lifestyle advice and on wellness and fitness. So help me here. And I know I'm going to sound really ignorant, and I apologize up front for my uh, staggering ignorance. So what is it about Gwyneth Paltrow where if she puts out on Twitter or I don't know how she, she gets the message out, but she gets the message out that she's, I don't know, doing anything, covering her body with mud, whatever she's doing. What is it that so many consumers feel compelled to go out and buy the product that she's endorsing as wacky as it may sound? I need to know. I need, I, I don't, I'm disconnected from that. So help me understand the mentality here. I'm I'm not someone that understands it either. So you're, you're like, you're speaking to the choir. I don't understand it either. The only thing I could the only thing I could think of is, you know, she is an Academy Award winning actress and, you know, she's she's someone that's, you know, made a lot of money. So people probably think that, well, you know, when she's saying this and this, this must work. And I guess it works with all celebrities. Right. Um, but I would think that at some point there are some some celebrities who were famous maybe like 20, 30 years ago they really can't sell, you know, something like that if they did, but it's something about her. And I think it's like, she's just kind of found that niche and she was one of the first ones to found, find that health and wellness niche. And so um, the people who are going to hang on to her are from the same kind of, I guess, sub from the same kind of like cultures, they, they move around in the same cultures. And so I th- or move around in the same circles, I should say. And so I, I just think it's this group of people who have disposable income. And when one of Paltrow says, like, use, wear this $5,000 sweater, because I do, then they'll go out and buy it. So yeah, I, I have to tell you, I don't get it either. And I think, I think it's one of those things where people, because they talk about it so much, it just keeps getting more and more traction. There's people like you and me who like, you know, obviously we laugh at it when we see this coming out, but there are people that are buying into it. It's a serious business. All right. So let me uh, put this one to you since you talked about other celebrities. And when you did that, it uh, obviously it hit clicked uh, Michael Jeffrey Jordan, uh, his sneakers, his gym shoes sell millions worldwide. That it's I made him it. a billionaire. Okay. So what's the difference between someone buying a sneaker or a gym shoe uh, endorsed or designed by Michael Jeffrey Jordan uh, and someone buying uh, a candle that emanates the aroma of a vagina because it's been endorsed by Gwyneth Paltrow. Help me out here. I think I have an answer, but I want to hear your answer. Well, Michael Jordan, I could understand because he's Michael Jordan. 
like, and those are gym shoes. Those are just gym shoes that you wear when you go out and run. But a candle, like, (laughs) (laughs) that smells like your nether regions. Like, I mean, I know it doesn't really, but it's it's just like the absurdity. And even like Michael Jordan's restaurant, I remember it wasn't like that popular. Like his restaurant was like, you know, I think a lot of tourists used to go. Because I remember when I was talking about my job at uh, City News, I remember I would always be walking to work and someone, it was all a lot of times the Japanese tourists would be asking me where the Michael Jordan restaurant was. So it usually wasn't, I don't know. I don't know too many people who want to eat at Michael Jordan's restaurant except you. His gym shoes I get, his jerseys I get because that embodies who he was as an, who he is as an athlete and who he was at, in, in his heyday. So Gwyneth Paltrow isn't selling like her dress from the Oscars. She's selling, you know, <laughs> yeah. products that she u- products that she supposedly uses, and you know, overpriced products that she uses, where um, you know the average person can't afford. So I don't know what your theory is. Well, um, first of all, a shameless confession: um, I really loved Michael Jordan's restaurant, <laughs> and my kids were little. Uh, I took them <laughs> I, when my uh, nephews came into town. We took them, and we always would sit like because there was that little booth in the back where it was glass encased. Uh, and that's where Jordan would sit when he would come. And so like you could look at him while you ate, you know what I mean? So um, and he was never there when I was there. Uh, so I began to wonder, I bet he never comes. Uh, <laughs> so yes. So I, I, I can kind of relate like identifying so well closely as I do with the Chicago Bulls. Uh, but you know, but you're right. I think there's more of something of substance in my mind. Maybe it's just my taste and I just don't understand. So I, I shouldn't be contemptuous of people that I don't understand. How about that, Ramon? I'm going to be woke, uh, uh, on that. That's, I think pretty woke of me. Um, yeah. So, uh, anyway, Gwyneth Paltrow, good luck with your latest, uh, endeavor. And it is Cal Penn's bit on comedy central. It's hilarious. I urge everybody. I will uh, watch it to, uh, to check it out it's really funny he's very funny by the way i don't know if you've been watching all the hosts that have been sitting in yeah since I Trevor Noah. um it was one of the wayans brothers right last week or a few oh my god ago. marlon wayans pretty funny oh, I, i've been watching clips like clips of everybody and I, I wonder if it's like an auditioning period for them like the weeks that the week that they do it but yeah i've been watching a little bit do you have a favorite um do you have I, a, I, of I, all I, the ones i've always do you have a favorite minaj i like the wayans brother um, I've seen some of, I saw one of Cal Penn's where the city of New York, Newark got, uh, duped into yeah, it was hilarious. <laughs> becoming sister cities with a fake Indian town oh or a fake Indian town. So that was pretty funny. Um, but no, I, ha- I just haven't had, I've just been really busy. So I haven't watched Cal Penn's, uh, latest, but I will watch the one on one of Paltrow because uh, really- my, I, my favorite. I really hope it goes to Leslie Jones, and I know she's a long shot. There's just something about her. She is such an unconventional choice, uh, and she had she was so sincere, in my opinion. She was so real, and she put it out there. I loved her. My second favorite was Sarah Silverman, who is, in my opinion, just one of the funniest people. But they have all been – Marlon Wayans was hilarious. D.L. Hughley was – I mean, they just – it's been one great – Part of me just thinks, ah, oh, let's just rotate it every two weeks, you know? Yeah. And 
That's uh, yeah. I think it's been it's been cool just watching it because I think everybody's been doing pretty. I mean, I've seen clips of everybody that you mentioned so far, and everybody so far has been pretty funny. Sarah Silverman, I don't find that funny, but maybe I'm 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 equating it to some of the things she's done in the past. And I, I yeah, no, Sarah start, I start I start nitpicking. Uh, but I don't I don't find her super funny, but she can. I, I I've laughed at some of her some of her jokes. So, but yeah, I I think so far everybody's everybody's at least had one good bit on that on the daily yeah show. One, at least one good bit uh or w- more than one in uh in almost every occasion all right we'll close with this one you uh were sort of alluding to the concept of appropriation uh when uh, you were talking about uh how gwyneth paltrow has been given credit for uh yoga uh inventing yoga which has only been practiced in India for I don't know how many centuries. Uh, and uh, so here's a curious one. I don't know if you saw this, uh, but the movie Creed. Have you, seen, have you seen any of the Creed movies? No, which is kind of weird because I've seen all the Rocky movies and I wanted to see the first Creed when it came out. And I remember I kept saying, I got to watch this. I got to watch this. And it just, uh, you know, fell off my radar. But I've been meaning to watch them. I think there's three now. I think this yes, is number three, three, right? Yeah. Because yeah. I know how many there are because I remember when it first came out, I'm like, oh, this is supposed to be Apollo Creed's son or somebody related to him. So I, I gotta I gotta um I gotta watch the first one because I, I you know, I didn't like all the Rockies, but um I remember my dad taking my dad and a family friend taking us to see that one where Apollo Creed dies because the guy from the Soviet Union came and like punched him. At that big Dolph fight. Lundgren, yes. yeah, Dolph, yes. yeah, exactly. So I remember that. That was like a really. I remember that was like a moment where I was like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> I was like, "I was traumatized." <laughs> Rocky and so I, Creed. So I, I, I do want to watch. I do want to watch it. So I've been meaning to. So I, I fell behind on that. Um, but I'm going to watch Ted Lasso. I have to. Okay, that, the, that, that's just the last. I think it's season three. It's the last one. I, I'm just going to be starting that, and I just finished you which I'm, I know that you did not watch on Netflix. No, It's like season four. It was a little ludicrous. I mean, the whole show was a little crazy. It's about this obs- guy who gets obsessed and he's an obsessed killer. Anyway, it just goes, it, it's, it gets crazier and crazier. But season four was just, the, the, was a little weak, but I still watched it. I just finished it this week. Uh, so yeah, no, I haven't seen that one, but going back to, uh, Creed, I've seen the first two Creeds, not seen the third one. It's the number one movie in the world Creed. Okay. Uh, Michael B. Jordan has turned this into just a powerhouse, uh, series for him. He plays Creed and Jonathan Majors plays his rival in this movie. Uh, and so I, I will see it. I, my wife doesn't particularly want to see it. So I'm going to go with a boyfriend, but here's the thing. I didn't realize this Monroe shout out Monroe Anderson was the one who told me this. Uh, and, uh, I looked it up and it's true. Sylvester Stallone, who was the original Rocky directed the original rock. I think he directed it. Pretty sure he did. He definitely wrote the script. Um, does not have the rights to Rocky the Rocky story. He sold those rights early on uh, because he was broke and he sold it to the original producer of Rocky. And so there's the creed now is becoming probably even bigger than Rocky. It's a phenomenal. I wouldn't be surprised if there's two more creeds. Uh, Michael Jordan will ride this baby all he can. Michael B. Jordan, not Michael Jeffrey Jordan. And, uh, Sylvester Stallone gets nothing for it. 
zero. And, I, you know, Romana, I know this is probably bad of me, but part of me smiles a little bit at that because, I mean, first of all, Sylvester Stallone is fabulously wealthy, so I, it's not like we, he, need, he needs the money, right? Uh, he's wealthier than you and I will ever be. But, which isn't saying much, I realize. But it when you consider how many black performers down through the years created great music, you know what I'm saying, and never got a nickel from it, it was appropriated from them, or, you know, like Elvis made the money. I just think there's something delightfully ironic that Michael B. Jordan is making fabulous amounts of money and Sylvester Stallone's locked out of it. Uh, and it's because he sold the rights. He, had, You know what I'm saying, Romani? He sold the rights years ago. What's your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I, there's, there's a part of me. I remember I, I was amazed when I found out Sylvester Stallone wrote Rocky. And uh, that was pretty incredible for me to think that because by, by when, by the time I watched Rocky, he was Rambo at that point. So I, I equated him with Rambo. <laughs> and so I was like, Oh, this guy wrote Rocky. That's pretty impressive. But so at that point, and when I heard that he sold the rights, I, I guess I didn't feel that bad for him because by that point he was like this huge star. So it wasn't, it's one thing if he was like struggling, you'd feel a little bad for him because that is what happened to a lot of these black artists who got culturally appropriated. Nobody ever heard of them. Um, you know, some of them died. I don't know if they died. I don't want to say a lot of them died penniless, but a lot of them died a lot less wealthier than the people that took their music or took their ideas and went with it. So, um, you know, there's part of me, it's just like, oh, it's kind of sad that he was poor and he was down and out and had to sell the rights to Rocky, but he seems to be doing just fine. So <laughs> I think, I think it's okay. I think it's okay. Yeah. It's, it's not like, he, you know, it's one thing if he was struggling. I mean, even his like, wasn't his mom like was some like psychic and then his brother would sing songs for his movies. Remember Frank Stallone? He would have a soundtrack to uh, a lot of Rocky movies. He'd be watching a Rocky movie or a Rambo and then somebody would be singing at the end. And it like, you know, he had his whole family in the business. So, you know, they did, they did pretty well. So, you know, you can feel for him a little, but I don't think you have to feel that bad. Yeah, and I can guarantee he didn't sell the, the rights to Rambo because by then he had money. Didn't he? <laughs> so, yeah, I do not feel bad. For, part of me does. I must confess. Like, it, he created it. Yeah. So I, I I'm kind of split on this. Part of me, like, you know what? The man created it. Even though he doesn't need the money, it's still not right that he's not getting any money. On the other hand, there's some kind of great irony. It's so ironic, or I guess, I don't know, that it's culturally ironic. Right, what goes around comes around. I'm not quite sure I know what how to sum it up. Uh, but I must admit, when I when I heard it, I'm like, wow, how is that possible? And uh, anyway, good for you, Michael B. Jordan. I hope you make fabulous amounts of money. All right, Romana, someday I hope you make that much money, uh, and then you can finance the Ben Jarofsky show. How yeah, we'll, we'll come up with a candle. <laughs> uh, I think Gwyneth beat us to the punch on that one, but we have to come up with a different scent. Uh, I urge everybody to check out Romana's column, which is going to drop. I haven't seen it yet, but I hear it's pretty funny and uh, pretty enlightening about her trip to India uh, with my dear friend and her uh, dear husband, McDumkey. Uh, and there'll be photographs. So that will be dropping in the Sun Times. 
uh, well, it'll by the time you hear this uh, this podcast, it will be out because this podcast will drop on Sunday. So uh, I'm looking forward to reading that, Romana. And um, yeah, keep up the good work. And thanks so much for coming on the show again. That's the great Ramon Hussein. I'm Ben Jarofsky. Take care, everybody. Mm-hmm.